to 20 Minutes. My name is Rashani. Uh, this is episode 25, actually, and it, it's a pretty momentous occasion for me because it is a 25th episode. I um, didn't expect to actually ever get 25 episodes in on this show, and I want to thank everybody who has been listening to the show, letting other people know about the show, following the show on Twitter. The Twitter page is 20 Minutes Pod. Or 20-minute pod. Yeah, see? See? Still learning. Um, and this show is where I get some of the uh, most acclaimed names that you may or may not know. And I ask them questions about something that I'm interested in and hopefully you're interested in it as well. If there are topics that you would like to hear about or you would like to have discussed, please feel free to email me at 1200seconds at gmail.com. That's 1200 seconds at gmail.com because 60 times 20. Anyhow, on this 25th episode, I am thrilled to speak with this young lady. Uh, she is the one half of the Interracial John podcast. She is also one half of the Ferguson Response Network podcast. And she is one of the main purveyors of the Ferguson Response Network, which is available on Tumblr. Um, right now, they have just, in light of the situation that happened in Baltimore, they have begun a page on their Tumblr page for Freddie Gray. You can check that all out at fergusonresponse.tumblr.com. I am joined today by Miss Leslie Mack. Leslie, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, and um, was looking forward to, to talking with you. No worries. Me too. Um, now, tell them something about yourself. Tell them about your show real quick. The floor is yours. Sure. Well, uh, the interracial drama is me and, and my uh, other half, a very white guy. And we just, you know, talk about everything that's going on. We have, you know, our unique perspectives, him being a very white guy and me not being that, uh, being a black woman and um, just us kind of spending some time talking to each other and and giving our opinions we talk about everything from current events all the way to movies and geeky stuff and things like that um and the ferguson response network uh actually was born out of obviously ferguson uh we were waiting for the grand jury um decision to come in and i had been in touch with some uh clergy and activists in in ferguson just kind of like what can we do do you want people to do other actions and they made it very clear they really didn't have any bandwidth to worry about stuff like that and i thought well i could put up a tumblr and i could contact you know some organizers i knew some activists around the country and just ask in some major cities what are you guys doing do you have something planned plan it ahead of time let's get it up there and I think we launched on like a Tuesday and by like Thursday we had like 117 cities that were going to be holding actions in response to the Ferguson um, decision, whichever way it went. So that was the, the genesis of Ferguson Response Network and it has since grown to um, highlight and accent really any actions nationwide and actually worldwide if they happen as such um, in the Black Lives Matter movement. So, yeah. Now, um, before I go any further with the questions I have, I have to tell you that this this uh, call is being recorded for part, for podcasting purposes. Mm -hmm. um, I say that for legal reasons, I guess. Um, Leslie, do you have 20 minutes? I have 20 minutes. Awesome sauce. 
Now, you said that uh, you were able to talk with your with the network of other folks throughout the country. How did you build up that network prior to starting starting the Ferguson Response Network? Like, have you always been an activist or how did you get started? Well, I have always sort of been an activist. It's been an important part of my life, just generally speaking, even when I was in high school and stuff. When um, I moved to New Jersey, I got involved with the legislative ministry part of um, my local um, religion. I'm a Unitarian Universalist. And so the legislative ministry works on legislative issues within the state and kind of supports different bills and laws. So we really were attacking, or the group that I, the task force I was on, was attacking mass incarceration. So I've been doing that for about four years. And that was kind of my first adult real getting my hands into doing stuff like that. And um, from there, um, right after Mike Brown happened, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a national moment of silence uh, mm-hmm. that, that week. And I happened to answer the call when Feminista Jones threw it up on Twitter. Do you want to do one in your city? And I said, I could do one in Philly. And ended up, uh, you know, organizing the National Moment of Silence here in Philadelphia. From there, because there were so many of us doing that, we had a couple of conference calls and I just kind of got in touch with people. And that's just how I am. I like to kind of collect connections. That's that's my, you know, I guess skill set if I had one. Um, and that's where I met most of the people that were already, you know, had done the National Moment of Silence. So I kind of just piggybacked on that um, experience to start building connections for um, the Ferguson Response Network, and you know we've listed uh, almost 2,000 actions since then, and um, we've had one in every state. You know, and we kind of uh, try and stick with initiatives as, as they come up, whether it's um, Blackout Friday or. Um, uh, year of resistance for New Year's. So it just depends on what's going on, and we kind of try and stay with what, whatever's happening. So. Right before, right before um, Freddie Gray was attacked and killed by six police officers, um, for unknown reasons, I'm still going to put that out there because we don't know what happened. Um, You were going on a walk. And and this isn't on no Forrest Gump type stuff. I'm not, she wasn't, (laughs) this this isn't on no Jill Scott uh, Phil, Jilly from Philly type walk around the park type stuff. Tell them about the walk that you were um, setting out on. Yeah, I was on the March 2, number 2 Justice, which was put together by Justice League NYC, which is um, an activist group out of New York City. And we walked uh, from New York City to Washington, D.C. over a nine-day period. It's about 250 miles in total that we walked. And um, it was quite an experience. Um, you know, it was a very varied group of people. We had young, a lot of young people. We had, um, people that have been involved in social justice for decades. We had, um, mothers. We had single people. We had, you know, such a wide variety of people. And, um, I would say about 65 of us walked the full 250 miles. And then at any given point, we had about a hundred people because some people would come to just certain legs. We stopped in different cities, Newark, uh, Trenton, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and then down to DC. So, 
And yeah. how was that organized? Like, did you have a hand in that or was there somebody who told you about it or how did you find out? Yeah, you know, I um, had been involved with uh, the Gathering for Justice, which is kind of a parent of Justice League. And Carmen Perez is the executive director of the Gathering for Justice, and she founded the Justice League. And I had actually been a speaker at a conference they had um, earlier, uh, actually late last year. I presented a session called Independent Media and the Movement at a conference that they had and got to just know the organization through that. So when they started promoting this march, I, I I really, to this day, I can't tell you what made me just say, yep, I'm going to do it. It was very spur of the moment. I just saw D- New York to D.C., three justice package. You know, the reason why we're marching were for three bills that we want introduced and passed through Congress and 250 miles. And I just, I just signed up and I just decided to do it. So <laughs> that, that was it. What what were the uh what are the three packages that they were trying to get passed? Are you able to talk about that? Absolutely, most definitely. Um it's definitely, you know, there's many reasons why we march and certainly um something we talked about a lot on the march were the individual reasons why we each decided to to go on to the march and why we march. But uh the three justice pa- uh, packages themselves. One is the demilitarization act. So we want to definitely make sure that we um, stop the transfer of military grade equipment from our armed forces to our civilian uh, police departments, as we see in action right now, both in Ferguson and in uh, Baltimore and in many other cities as well. Um, the other is the end racial profiling act, which is something that has been on a task list for a lot of organizations nationwide, including Ferguson Action. Um, and that one would prohibit the use of profiling on the basis of race, race, ethnicity, national origin, or religion by law enforcement agencies. So we, it would be a national stop of all stop and frisk. Things like that would stop um, under that that act. And then the third um, is really important, which is the Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention Act. And it really talks about creating a federal-state partnership um, that would allow money to be given to our juveniles in our and our youth. Um, so we would get to put more community centers in place, more youth programs, um, just more outreach to engage our young people um, and, and shifting the focus from uh, uh, criminalization of our youth to uh, education and empowerment of our youth. So those are the three bills that, that we hit the road to support. Okay, so you the the... the The plan was drawn up which cities you were going to walk through like like the the itinerary was the, was designed and everything and y'all set out what did you have on your person when you set out for a 250 mile walk well, we were lucky, um, and we had a lot of amazing support. Our biggest supporter and sponsor um, is actually um, SEIU 1199, the largest healthcare uh, worker union in the country, and they um, were able to provide transportation, which for us meant we didn't have to carry our bags, so we could just walk when we are walking during the day with just what we needed on our actual person for the day, and I'll, I'll run through what I carried in a second. Um, they also had a mobile um, nursing unit that followed us every where we went so that if there were injuries or anybody got hurt or needed anything, um, they were there, which I can tell you was definitely needed every day. Uh, and, um, and then they had a kind of a mobile office that also followed us. So 
we had a lot of um, support with us throughout the entire walk. So, but as far as what I carried personally, I kind of had a pack with um, uh, a water, a pouch that had like a spout that I could drink from. I had granola bars. I had a um, uh, windbreaker if it rained that I could wear. I had uh, some words that I wanted to just keep close with me, some kind of mantras for me to keep um, in mind. Of course, all of my devices, because I was um, also broadcasting a lot of Periscope live videos for Justice League throughout the march, especially when we were at different stops and rallies. Mm -hmm. Um, External charger so that I could charge those devices as we were out on the road. Uh, Sunglasses, sunscreen, bug spray. I think that's all I had in my pack. That's it. You know, no second pair of shoes or anything like you. Uh, a sock, second pair of socks. No second pair of shoes were uh, would be with my my larger suitcase. I had all of my clothes for the nine days. Ah, okie dokie. And that would be on the buses. Yeah. So. Okay. Now every night, did you guys stopped in a different city every night? And was somebody there to? meet you like how did that work did you guys camp outside or no we were lucky enough to be welcomed for the most part by religious institutions we stayed in two mosques we stayed in um, an episcopal cathedral we stayed in two churches one night we stayed at a motel that a church had paid for for us so it was a very varied kind of uh different things that we got to experience Uh, most of the religious institutions also fed us in the evenings and in the mornings so um, it was really a unique um, experience we had. Um, each had our own very, I, I might add, very comfortable, uh, high-quality air mattresses that we slept on. Um, and so there was kind of an advanced team that would go in, get the bed set up, and then we, when we arrived, uh, we'd kind of get to our station and get ourselves together. Um, and and we, st- oh, we stayed at Lincoln University as well um, in Oxford, PA, which was a really amazing experience. Probably my favorite kind of piece of the trip was was being there um, at Lincoln. Yeah. I, um, I wasn't accepted to that college. Um, <laughs> now, every night when you guys stopped, was there like a motivational speaker or was there a mantra that you guys used to keep going or like... Yeah, we had a lot of rallies at each of the stops. So we had a rally in... In uh, Newark, in Trenton, we attended a rally that was actually the Fight for 15 rally in um, in Philadelphia. We had a rally in Baltimore. And then three of the nights we didn't have a rally, but we did have, you know, sharing space with the people that were hosting us. So at the rallies, we really uh, were um, lucky enough to have, for the most part, uh, the families of people that have been affected by police violence come and speak with us and talk about their loved, lost loved one, usually their son or daughter, and, um, you know, so that we could carry them with us and keep them in our minds because that really was the purpose of us walking. Now, I know that at one point you were walking and, and I wasn't stalking you, but I was paying attention. I just want you to know I was paying attention. That's good. Who's Brandon Tate? Brandon Tate Brown is a young man that was killed here in Philadelphia. He was killed on um, December 17th of last year. Um, He was killed in the 15th district and um, he was shot in the back of the head in alleged altercation. And he was pulled over for not having his headlights on allegedly. Um, And it's been a really big case here. The, the two officers whose names still have not, not been released 
um, were cleared by the police department of any wrongdoing, even though we don't know who they are. And uh, Tanya, who is Brandon's mom, was never even notified that they had killed her son, despite the fact that he was three blocks from her house when this incident occurred. Um, so, yeah, it's been something that I've obviously been very involved in. So for me, it's, it uh, was important when we came to my uh, area here, when we were walking through the Philadelphia area and we walked, when I say my area, we walked a few blocks from where um, Drew and I first lived and we moved here. Um, we walked by my old office building. Uh, so it was really a, a lot of area that I was very familiar with. So we did a lot of chanting on the road. And there's a chant um, that had been prevalent um, when Mike Brown, uh, when the Ferguson um, was just starting and it was um, uh, turn up, don't turn down. We're doing this for Mike Brown was a chant. Mm -hmm. So when we got into Philadelphia, I kind of asked everyone if they would mind changing the chant so that we would say, um, turn up, don't turn down. We're doing this for Brandon Brown. So we had started this chant as soon as we crossed the line into the Philadelphia, into Philadelphia proper. And we had a couple of, we usually have a couple of pit stops that we make in addition to a lunch stop just to stretch, get water, make sure everybody's okay, get a little bit limber, kind of circle up and, and get our spirits back up because it's a lot. We were walking usually in the morning about 12 to 13 miles each morning before lunch and then another, you know, 8 to 10 and after lunch. Um, and we stopped um, in uh, a strip mall just in a parking lot which was usually what we did where there was space for everybody to pull in the buses and stuff we would pull in and a gentleman named Tony Soto who happens to be Brandon's best friend said he heard we were walking he knew the route we were taking we were, walked uh, on route one the entire way it was the only street that we walked on and he said he was waiting for us he wanted to walk with us at least part of the way and and just be with us and so we had some time to have him speak about Brandon and it was just really eerie I had literally like maybe a half a mile before we got to him asked our chant to be changed I told everybody out loud while we were walking about Brandon and everything that had happened with him and you know how um, difficult it had been for his family and how much it meant to us in this Philadelphia area and that it was something that was really um, a big deal for me personally and then here's Tony like right there and he said hold on Tanya's up the block and she wants to come and so she came um, and she spoke with us and she um, and she really got us all just like so pepped up and she said hold on I have my sneakers in the car I'm gonna walk with you guys to Philly to downtown and she went to her car and she switched her shoes and she just started walking with us and so um it was pretty amazing and we all were just like staring each other like I couldn't even really it was just this kind of crazy you know moment of I can't believe all of this just happened in this order that had just happened um, and I know for her, you know, she was shocked that we all were, everybody was like, oh my gosh, you know, we know about Brandon. Like they knew everything about him. I just told everybody. So it was really, um, you know, we were lucky enough to have her with us and have Brandon's energy. Um, and it had been cloudy all morning. And as soon as Tanya got there, the, the clouds parted and the sunbeam came down on us when we were in a circle and she was talking to us and Tony was talking to us about Brandon and one of our bus drivers, uh, Glenn, happened to be a pastor. And I can't tell you how many times we just would be like, get Glenn out here because we needed, you know, somebody to come and just say some words. And he would come and he would just 
preach right there just for us for five minutes for 10 minutes for whatever time we needed him to um and so he came out and he did a prayer with us and we held hands and then we got on our way and, and got back to marching the rest of the way into philly so yeah it was it was a pretty amazing are you okay if we do a two-parter on this yeah we could do a two-parter cool because you know what that's 20 minutes uh-oh <laughs> tell them again where they can find you at you can find me on Twitter at Leslie Mac, M-A-C, and you can find the Interracial John uh, at Interracial John, J-A-W-N, where on iTunes and Stitcher. You can go to interracialjohn.com and you can find uh, actions in your area or um, add any actions you're planning for the Black Lives Matter movement to fergusonresponse.tumblr.com. Thank you so much, Leslie. I appreciate it. No problem. This is single simulcast.